0: So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to read a few passages of Scripture. No, actually, JT, I gave you the wrong order. I'm sorry. Go to Matthew 4, 1 through 11. We'll go back there. Yeah, that's what I want. It says, And Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And there he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, if... I want you to see that. He didn't say you are the Son of God. He said, if... You are the Son of God. Command these stones to be turned into bread. But he answered, not what he thought, not what he felt. He answered, it is written. I wonder how many Christians tonight are struggling with the devil Because they can't tell him what it is written. Just a thought. I want you to grab that. A lot of Christians are battling tonight. And they're asking people to pray for them. And the prayer is not working. It's because God has a totally different method to deliver his people. Okay? Listen, we should pray for each other. And I'll get there. But there comes a time where you're going to be like Jesus. And even your closest friends aren't there with you. And you're going to have to have the word of God and know how to fight the devil for yourself and your family. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It says, men shall not live by bread alone, but how are we going to live? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hold that real quick. If you take an exegesis of this scripture and this statement and you just want to pull Out from what it's saying there it's so awesome that the word of God is not only when it says inspired it's the pneuma word of God which means his breath but what I think is the most amazing thing it means when men were moved on by God he breathed his word into them but so but we received it and then but he breathed it it's it's really if you think about how awesome the word of god is that god himself there's a huge attack on the bible these days and people talking about is it the inerrant word of god are there fallacies to it is it absolutely true and let me tell you something if you lose the battle that the word of god is not absolutely true you've lost the battle you hear this stuff by people that don't even read the Bible. They say things like this. Well, there's fallacies in the Bible. That is not true. There are no fallacies in the Bible because it is God-breathed. It is, it is inerrant. The Word of God has been breathed. That's why when we call them the authors of the books... We are really teaching a principle that's not biblical. There is no authors of this these books, but men that were moved on by God who he told what to write. The Holy Spirit was the author of the word of God. It was divinely ordained by God. It's forever established the Bible says. And I want you to see this. When it's in the mouth of a believer, Jesus is our example here. He listen, in order I just I, I'm going to try to slow down. In order for us to get this, we have to understand Jesus had to go, the first verses 40 days and 40 knots with no food. Can you go back to the very first verse? We'll get here again. Jesus was led in the wilderness by who? The Spirit. The, de- the devil didn't come after him by the devil's design. The Holy Spirit wanted to teach all of us how we attack the devil. And so what God did was make Jesus Christ, who was in the flesh, though he was God, the weakest he could make him. 40 days of fasting. He had no strength at all. He was as close to us as he could get. You see, what, you see what the Lord's doing there? He puts him in the most frail position and then says, now I want the devil to attack him because I want to show people that are frail. You feel frail or not? Sometimes You feel like it's, it's all this evil in the world and you feel like you don't have the power to overcome it? Do you feel sometimes there's sin that battles you and you don't feel like through temptation you can overcome? You ever feel that frailty of life? Paul put it this way, when I would do good, Evil is there. I do the opposite. When I don't want to do evil, I end up doing the evil I don't want to do. There's a fleshly body that we feel frail about. The same way we have to overcome is through the Word of God. Go back to verse 4 and we'll keep going. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Five. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the highest point of the temple... And said to him, If you are the Son of God, if, if, how many people in this room tonight are being attacked by the devil because he says, If, if you are so important to God, then why is he letting this happen? He uses that on people all the time. If you were this, why wouldn't you do this? Why would God, if God was so good? You see that if? He loves to, to combat people with if. I heard a really cool thing, and I'm not going to go into it right now, but we have, we have a bad concept of what it means that God is sovereign. We have almost made people hate God by saying, oh, well, he's just sovereign, and he just can do what he wants to. So when somebody's child dies, we, we in the church don't understand what we're talking about, so we throw out churchy phrases like, well, God's just sovereign. Well, that sounds like a very cruel person to me. And the word sovereign there, you need to look up what it means. There's a whole order that God set in place. The devil still kills and destroys. God's sovereignty chose to give us dominion and give us free reign. And what we did with it was mess it up and sin. And he had to make a plan to redeem us from the fallen nature. Sovereign means supreme over all. His supremacy gave us free will because He didn't want robots. So be careful when you tell people, oh, well, God is just sovereign. That's a southern, too much time in church, not enough time with God thing. Study your Bible. Don't tell people that. Think about what you would feel about God if you lost a loved one early, or Something bad happened in your marriage. Well, your wife left you and you look at him and say, oh, well, God is just sovereign. You just said to them, God's a bad guy. There is no darkness in God. There's no shadow of turning in him. He is good and he's only good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Do you see how the word of God combats foolishness and ignorance and the devil? You know why people's marriages break up? Because of their flesh and the fallen nature and they don't submit that flesh to the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's not God. So be careful how you flippantly throw things out there about God. Be an ambassador of Him and represent Him well because He is good. Amen? Amen? So he said, if, the devil is going to hit you with ifs. And that's why a lot of Christians are in bad posture and positions because he's hitting their mind with ifs and they have nothing to come back and say, it is written. And in Pentecostal churches, what we do is... uh, we. I'm fighting depression and I'm getting under attack and pray for me. They want to come down here in the magic anointing oil. There's power in the anointing oil. Do you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about some magic fix. Well, I've been anointed 14 times and I'm still battling. Sounds like to me, you've misunderstood something, how the kingdom works. Does, do we anoint with oil? Absolutely. Why? Because the word says, if anyone is sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them. It also says that we anoint leadership. It started all the way back with Moses and it goes all the way through. They've laid hands of the presbytery and they've commissioned you and they've anointed you. That's so biblical. I do not see, listen to me, it happens sometimes. I do not see very many times When battles of the mind are fixed by anointing and laying hands on. Now some of y'all are going to think I'm almost blasphemy. But I know what I'm talking about. It is fixed through the word. When I was attacked in my mind and thought I was having a nervous breakdown. The word of God is what sustained me. I heard my father say that when him and my mom years and years and years ago almost got a divorce, he got in his truck every day and he began to make this his priority. I remember him saying it had an effect on me that in the middle of his crisis, he began to lean on this right here. He did not. He might have had people praying. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should bear one another's burdens. How do we even know to do that without the word? The word I have exalted, my word above all my names. Where's that? It's in the Bible. That word, the devil cannot fight the word. How much time did you spend this week getting your word? the question y'all look weird today so when the next time somebody tells you they're fighting anxiety and depression tell them to come up here we should pray for them don't misunderstand me we should tell them we're united and we believe God can heal minds I've done it I've called them up here but the next thing you need to follow up with is there are no silver bullets and there's no quick fixes I need you to begin to meditate on the word. If it means in trouble and good times, you get this Bible for five minutes every morning and you read it out loud to yourself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing good sermons. That's how America looks at it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing polished sermons. No, no. These little three-point-make-you-feel-good sermons, everybody leaves shouting and happy, will not get you through the week. It's like my breakfast every morning. That bear claw, kicked, it doesn't sustain. There's no protein. It's just carbs. You feel good after you eat the bear claw, but in about two hours, all the people that have eaten eggs and all this protein, they're still full, and I'm going, man, where's the next Pop-Tart going? That's how a lot of Christians look. Y'all are shaking your head. It's a good, good, feel-good, sugar-high sermon. It don't have any scripture in it at all. It's telling us how to live and have a good life and how to be blessed. And we're all happy and we leave our churches in America. And in about two hours, we're as empty as we came in. Amen. So he quotes another scripture, verse 7. I got to get going. Jesus said to him, again, it is written... He came at him the third time, and he says, it is written. Have I made my point with this? Ephesians, did I give you Ephesians? Everybody knows Ephesians, but look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes. I grew up as a kid reading that word as wiles, tricks of the devil. And the Bible actually says if you read more, see, Scripture interprets Scripture. That's what's awesome about studying the Bible. So you take that Scripture and think about the schemes of the devil. You should ask yourself when you read that, what are his schemes? And then you know that the same guy, the Holy Spirit, not God, that inspired Paul to write that, said we are not ignorant of his schemes or his devices, brethren. How do we see his devices? Scripture interpret Scripture. So now let's look at how he worked. How did he work in the Garden of Eden in the beginning? Question God's goodness. Question God's faithfulness. Question God. Begin to wonder. Then build you up with pride. Will you not be as a God? His devices are all through the word of God. And if we don't study, he hasn't changed his game plan. You use the word. That's why when people, I get so agitated. <laughs> when people use their opinion to interpret scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. It actually says, here a little, there a little. It says, line upon lawn, jot upon jot, here a little, there a little. Do you know those in the Bible? Probably if you're reading some other version, it's not going to say jot upon jot. Or, but it could. It's just saying you build it like a puzzle. You keep, in, you keep reading it and it starts going together. Everybody cool with that? So the schemes of the devil, verse 12. For our fight is not against flesh and blood. Well, there's another thing the Bible tells you. Stop thinking it's people. That girl at work. That girl at work. That guy at work. That this at work. It's so funny how many people in this room believe that scripture How much time have you spent the last month arguing about how people have done you wrong and how people have done you? Don't duck your head. I'm talking to you. We say we believe it, right? I'm talking to me. If I was sitting in the audience, I would have ducked my head right there. How much time did I spend on the phone talking about people, but I know this scripture? It's worthless to me if I, don't impl- if I don't use it. Come on, I'm glad some of y'all are smiling. That was one of those oh me's and not amen's. I said it when I saw it. You're like, you know what, I know that. I can quote that. And I spent so much of my time doing the complete opposite. I think about my last week, terrible, F minus. I've noticed when I get tired... And stressed, this, it squeezes the scripture out of you sometimes. We have to learn when we're tired and when we're stressed, that's when we lean on the rock the most. Amen? He who hears these sayings of mine, the sayings, the word, and does them, I will liken unto to him, a man that built his house. It took time, it took effort. You are not going to be spiritual victorious overnight. It will take time, it will take effort. And the sad thing is, the only way you'll know is when the storm comes if you stand. Oh, that guy had a pretty house on the sand. This ain't in my notes, Adam. I just feel this. It was pretty. Oh, he had a beachfront house. It was built on the sand. Boy, he shouted in church. He paid his tithes. He sang on the praise team. He taught Sunday school. He was an usher. Boy, his house was pretty. Man, he moved in the altar services. I enjoy that church. But during the week, that rock foundation wasn't really that important to him. And then he comes and he looks at you and says, my life is under attack and I have nothing to stand on. My beautiful life and next thing you know, you're like, man, weren't they in church here for three years? Where are they now? In the bar. How did that happen? <laughs> that sand doesn't hold up in the storm. You got, if you are neglecting this week, start the word. Start it. Okay. Uh, God. This is why it's going to be a series. There's so much in this. And listen to me. If you think I'm preaching at you in any way, shape, or form, I am not. I'm talking to me. This is just, I want to lay a foundation in our church of the word. Amen? Go to verse 13. Go to verse 14. Go to verse 15. I'm going to try to skip for y'all. 16, I think it is. Here we go. We can start here. And above all, taking the shield of faith. What did we say? How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing the what? Okay? You'll be able to extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. If you just try to stand against the devil, and your shield's not complete in who God is, you can't know who God is without the Word. The greatest revelation I've ever gotten in my life, listen to me, I'm going to try to bring it to a close. I've got a couple more scriptures. Stay awake with me. The greatest revelation I ever got in my entire life to date was when God showed me something that has changed me forever. We sing songs, and when I was in youth group especially, we sing this song, I want to know you, I want to see your face, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And we would, we would say we want to know God. I wish more people today would say that, actually. Okay? So before I knock that, I want you to think about this week, am I telling the truth? How much did you just tell God, I want to know you? I don't want to be blessed by you. I don't want just anything that you have a benefit of, which is all in the Word. There's awesome benefits. But I just want to know you, God. Okay? I've prayed that my whole life. He showed me the only way you can know who he is is this right here. It's the only way. You say, well, you can get a revelation. Yeah, and what is that revelation of? This right here. It shows you who he is in this. When he gives you a revelation, there is no no private interpretation of this. The Bible says... You can't just take a scripture and think it just means for you. It's not of any private interpretation. It means to everybody. Everybody go with that. Good. Did I give you, go back to 15 I think and we'll keep going. No, I'm sorry. Did I give you 16 and 17? Okay. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is what? So how do I attack the devil off my life? I'm telling y'all we have been conditioned like Pavlov's dogs to come up here in a Pentecostal church. When I'm under attack by Satan, I'm going to come up here and stand. Now listen, there are, we should every Sunday get the opportunity to come stand in this altar for altar call. Number one, if you're a believer, if you walk forward... Nobody's going to think you're a sinner. You are a sinner and we're all sinners and we all need God. But it also makes other people that are a little bit younger in God and they kind of care what people think. If they see people walk down, so come enjoy the altar. There's nothing wrong with it. You're like, well, the altar call is on addiction and I'm not addicted. Who cares? Come love on Jesus. It's about other people. We got to get deeper than we care what people think about us. My Lord, how do you witness out there if you care what the people in here think about you? Right. Okay, I'm lost. So keep that thought about the word, okay? It, the sword, all right? Now, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. Now, I am blown away by how many people can quote that verse and have no idea what they're talking about. It cuts the soul and the spirit. What does that mean? I would love to have handed out note cards and say, take five minutes and tell me what you think that means. It would be a really fun game because it would be way off most of the time. Let me tell you what this means. You're... Spirit and soul are inside of you. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's you. So your soul is the person that is emotional. It's really how you think. When you think about something, that's your soul. Okay? And you're thinking, it's never, ever, 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 ever in the Bible said a soul would live forever. God breathed in man and he became a living spirit, right? We became alive. So what happens? When he cuts, you're a living life. Your emotions are attached to situations. You're not sure how to live or where to go. From the look of this, I'm the only one that's ever been there. You ever been there? I'm not sure about my kids. I'm not sure about this job situation. I'm not sure about how I feel about this person. I'm not sure about should I do this or should I do that. And your emotions are all attached to it. This person hurt me. My emotions and my thoughts says, smack them. But he says in the middle of the storm... This will cut your emotional person away and let your spirit man make the right decision. It will go, that's why we're making so many decisions based off our emotions and our eyes. And this Bible says hey, it's not just the sword of the spirit to fight the devil, the second side of that sword is to fight you. It will cut against what you want to do and your will, it'll tell you stuff like this. You should love your enemies. Whoa, Oh, and then it follows it by saying, hey, what good are you if you love the people that love you? The people in the world love the people that love them. How are you going to be different? I got to love my enemy. See, that cuts back you. You got, is that good? Yes. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts you. Bethany said I swapped um, soul and spirit, and if I did, I'll talk to you about it later, okay? Well, just swap them in your head. I'll watch your mouth say, you reverse them. So if I reversed them, reverse them. Everybody cool with that? So Psalms 119, 9 through 6. No, 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 no. Matthew, Mark 4, 13 through 15. I'm just kind of letting the Lord lead me tonight. I had a little order, but I don't want it. Then he said to them, Okay, so everybody heard the parable of the sower. He went out and sowed the seed. Some fell on the hard ground, some fell on the thorny ground, some fell on the stony ground, and some fell on the good ground, okay? And his disciples come up to him, and you know they gotta be embarrassed because they've been with him now a long time. And they're like, We have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, You're talking about a sower throwing seed in a field. I'm confused. Let me tell you something. There's a great principle here. Jesus didn't look at him and say, you morons, go figure it out. If you don't understand this, ask him. I I don't usually start Bible reading before I ask the Lord to give me understanding and give me that rhema word, which means now, that breathed into my situation in my life. Right? Because it's a breathed word. It's inspired. Which, which is you know, pneuma, which is where we get pneumatic. You guys that work with tools, pneumatic drills, which means by air. That's what that is, right? Pneumonia so is of your breathing. It's 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 right there. So look. So he says. Then he said to them after they asked, "What are you talking about? Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables?" Well, he's going to tell you how you understand them all. You ask him. The sower sows. The word. So the seed is the word of God. That's clear, okay? All right, let's look at 15. Those that are beside the path, that's the wayside, where the word is thrown, but they hear but they hear. Satan comes immediately and takes the word which is sown in their hearts. Stop, don't go any further. So I want you to see a principle here that God showed me this week. Tonight... I am sowing the seed of the word of God. Now, there's this hyper faith movement. that's like the devil can't cross the bloodline and we're, the devil's this. And they tell the devil how bad they are as he laughs at them. Because once I said, if until you, you talk about this, Jesus is talking here. And I want you to see a principle here. It says, and immediately... Satan goes into their heart because it was sown into your hearts tonight and he takes the seed so there's no fruit. I want you to understand that concept. Some of you, by circumstances outside of your control, are so tired right now. Or maybe some of you have made too bad decisions and your eyes want to close and the seed that's supposed to grow in there, he will snatch it. Sometimes I think we fellowship too much After church, which nothing wrong with that, but we need more fellowship time outside of church so we can be more about business in church. It's time to get that seed, he will snatch it. So when I saw that, instantly the scripture came to my mind. Once again, scripture interprets scripture Psalms 119, 9 through 16. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Keep going. With my whole heart, I seek you. Do not allow me to wander from your commandments. Listen, don't let me get so busy that I drift from this. People crack me up sometimes. They're like, How do you pray? I don't really know how to pray. That's because you're not reading your Bible. When you read your Bible, you realize that Jesus is over here and you're about 50 miles that way. And you start figuring out real quick what you should be praying about. When I read this, I instantly feel the Spirit leading my heart. And He'll lead yours to start praying something. That prayer right there. God, do not let me get so busy that I neglect this. Don't let me wander away from your commandments. Amen? That's not even my point, but I want you to see it's good stuff. 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart. Man, I could quote this at five years old, but until God gives his revelation of it. So look at this. God showed me. So the devil can come and snatch the word, but he can't snatch what's hidden. Get this. Listen, I don't want it to go right over your head. Stay with me. You ever played hide and go seek? And the person that's usually not the brightest usually always gets found because they pick the dumbest places to hide. (laughs) Like they're like, all right, we're going to go hide. And they like go, they don't even, they like get behind the curtains and like half their body sticking out and their feet sticking out. I I think that's how we do the devil sometimes. The person that hides really good, it takes some time. You ain't going to find it. Even when the game's over, you got to tell them it's over because they're hitting good. You can't even find them with the lights on. Think about what I'm saying. The devil can snatch it. If we're not careful, we'll be so flippant with it that he snatches it right out of our heart. We hear it. We like it. We agree to it. And then the devil comes and says, No, you you haven't hid that. It takes time to hide it. When we hear sermons... We should meditate on them. That's why we should write stuff down when we hear... Do you think pastors just have that big an ego that they just want to see you taking notes? No. You take notes so on Monday when you go back, you can hide that deep down so you don't commit sin against the Lord. This Word has to be hidden or He'll snatch it from you. You have to remember in the dark times when you feel all by yourself that Isaiah 43 can't just be quoted. It's got to be instilled in you and you have to know the author personally and let it hide that he says, when you, like we sang tonight, when you walk through the fire, you're not alone. It's not going to burn you. Keep walking. When you walk through the flood, it's not going to overcome you. Keep walking. Now, if you quote that, but it hasn't been hidden, means nothing to you. But if you'll hide it, if you David said, I meditate on it. I challenge you. God knows your schedule. But let me tell you something. I've kind of given this church for about five years an excuse of saying, we're too busy. And God knows, spend a little time with him. And I've kind of petted us. All right, kitty pulls over. There comes a time when you want something. We're going to see the Avengers Endgame. Man, I got time for that. I got three hours and two minute running time. Don't tell me you don't have time for the word. Well, just take your little five minutes, dear. And when you fight the Bible with your little, whatever Raphael the Ninja Turtle had, whatever those things were called, JT, help me out. What? Sighs. Them little mini swords. That's how some of the people look at the devil. He shows up, you punch a little mini sword. I'm gonna mass text everybody in this room a picture of that little mini sword, a saw. Rapha- Raphael had two of them. As always as a kid, I thought, how dumb is that? <laughs> Leonardo pulled out like a samurai sword. And I was like, that's weird. That's how many, yeah, good point. That's how people, Christians look. In-, in all seriousness, we're like, I don't know why we're not effective. I don't know why we're not healthy. I don't know why we're not growing. It's- the Bible also said it's health to our navel and to our bones, I've been reading that. I thought, man, I, I'm going to be healed because I'm going to be healed because he sent his word and he healed them every one. I've got to meditate on this. David said day and night. It cannot be I read this, I hear this. You say, oh yeah, I got to hide the word in my heart. That sounds good, man. That, those scriptures went together. No, you got to dig it out. You got to hide it in here. You got to let it grow. You got to cover it with dirt. You got to protect it. You can't, listen, I'm telling you, If we want to see, there's coming a day, church, where people are going to look at us and say, put up or shut up. They're going to say, oh, you're Pentecostal and you believe in healing and you believe in power. I don't see any of that in your churches, just like I don't see any of it in my other denomination. I thought y'all were Pentecostal. I thought y'all believed in the power of God. Oh, we do. Show it to me. I don't know why God's not healing. I guess He took a breather. No, this is no longer a priority to the believer. I could prove it to you and embarrass the church. Sunday morning, I could give us a basic 20-question Bible test, and I'll tell you the average answers. It would be an F. But boy, let me tell you about my Netflix shows. Am I telling you the truth? It says, speak the truth in love. He's calling you to your word. The word have I hid. If I'm not hidden it, that means I'm going to sin against you. Because what is sin? People are like, when you do bad. No, no, no. This tells you clearly what sin is. It's a violation of the law. When you violate the lawgiver, it's sin. When you don't care to know his laws, Case in point, go drive through some random state you've never been to and go 65 miles an hour down every road. You'll find out what happens when you say, I didn't know it was 35 in Wisconsin on this road. That Wisconsin state trooper is going to tell you, thank you and have a great day. It'll be $250. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Revelation 21 should scare us and the book will be opened and we'll be judged by the book I didn't know it said that Lord I've got churches in China that have one page and they've memorized the one page ignorance is no excuse man I feel the Holy Spirit this is not to beat us down this is him drawing us it's saying, if you want a revival, you've got to build your house on the rock. Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, and everybody talks about the church. What's the rock? Well, the rock's Jesus, not in that situation. The rock there is the confession that Jesus is Lord among us that say he is our Lord and we submit to his authority and we submit to his law. The gates of hell cannot stand against a church that are submitted to his lordship and his law. When Jesus comes back, listen, read Revelation. Some of you are scared of it. You're like, it's a bunch of weird stuff. Okay, I'll give you that. But there's a bunch of real cool, easy to figure out stuff too. That's why you have these things called study Bibles. So funny to me. We can figure out anything we want in technology, but we're like, the Bible, though, that's too hard to understand. Liar. It's easy to understand. Jesus is going to come back with the saints, and it says he's going to spit a sword out of his mouth and consume the devil. Now, when I was a kid in children's church, I thought how cool that would be. I saw Jesus flaming white hair like they described him on a white horse and like literal swords coming out of his mouth. As I became older and read more and grown by what? The sincere milk of the word. Start with the milk, go to the meat. I realized this is sharper than I read it to you. The sword that he's going to bind the devil with. Is the same one he bound the devil with when he was tempted and when he was in his flesh. He's gonna say it is written. He's gonna bind him. He's gonna tell him to bind him and the word of his mouth will consume his enemies. Yes, that's how powerful this is. What are we gonna do with it? I was talking to a guy today that's not saved. He's talking about how women are trouble. And I said that's funny you say that. Because this book that I believe in tells you that the wrong women are trouble. It actually says a whore is a deep ditch. And many fall therein. Many mighty have fallen in and never recovered. He was like, whoa, that's in the Bible? And I was like, oh, man. Women knowledge was way before all these guys came out. These people we know now. Casanova had nothing on Solomon. You want to know how to live a good life? Proverbs tells you. You want to know how to pick a good mate? Proverbs tells you. You want to know how to be blessed with your finances? Proverbs tells you. It says, give your first fruits to the Lord and your barns will be filled. Well, I don't believe that. Good, I'll keep believing it and let my barns keep getting filled. I don't need you to believe it. It's His Word. I stand on it. Yeah, it's awkward when you talk about money. I'll serve you, God, but that money stuff, that's televangelist stuff. They're trying to sell us and scam us. Really? That's what we're trying to do. I wonder how those 37 missionaries that we support feel when they get that check every month as they're out there. Listen to me. Jason Loper right now is in Nepal It is the fastest growing Christian church. It's past China in Muslim countries. He is surrounded with Muslims every day. And every time you give to this church, he's getting money to go and do what he's doing. It's amazing. So live by the principles of this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's a principle. That doesn't just mean money. That means give. That means in conversation. it says things like this. I hear people say, I just can't make friends. Yeah, you can. The Bible's clear how to make friends. He who wants friends does what? Shows himself friendly. She just quoted it. Instead of walking up to people and telling them all about you, walk up to people and ask them how they were doing. Not thinking about what you're going to say next. Those people make me want to headbutt them unconscious. The whole time they're thinking about what they're going to say when they ask you a question... No, be a friend to somebody. How are you doing? Remember things about them. Show yourself like you want to be treated. You have friends. When they get the better car than you, don't get a grudge. It with those that rejoice. That's scriptural. I'm so glad God's blessing you. Keep it going. You'll find friends that way. Amen. That was not in my notes, but boy, I, feel, I felt it. It's a biblical principle. Just be friendly, and you'll have friends. Let me read you this last scripture that wasn't in my notes, and the Holy Spirit in my office about five minutes ago. We're three minutes till eight, and we'll finish right at eight, and you'll all be happy, and the nursery workers will be even happier. Every word of God is pure. Stay with me. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Now listen, this was not in my notes today. I was so excited about this series that we're going to start. We're going to keep on with the Word of God Sunday morning. Don't not come Sunday morning because you think you got it. Yeah, There's so many scriptures on scripture. It's kind of crazy. I was thinking about it. It's so good to us. And the Lord in my office said, somebody's here. They need to hear this. That the Word of God is pure. That means it's not man-made. That means it doesn't have a slant. From a man. I had a guy ask me the other day and he tried to trip me up. And uh, I thank God because when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit's with you and he'll give you the words. And I was even thinking to myself as I was coming out, this is so good. This is so God. Listen, he said, King James was a homosexual. How could you read a book that he inspired? And I said, he didn't inspire it. First of all. Second of all, you have no clue that he's homosexual. I don't know where that came from. But if he is, He had multiple scribes translate from the original document. So one guy would read it, and he would translate it word for word. And then he would hand it to the next guy, and he would translate it. And the next guy, and he would translate it. And at the end, they would have five or six, and they would see how much they lined up, and they would use that. It is accurate. It is inerrant. It is pure. King James did not put a slant in there. And my biggest thing about that is, if King James was a, homosexuality, a homosexual, he would have taken Romans 1 out of there. He would have taken Exodus where it says, a man shall not lay with another man as he does a woman. He would, there, that's, that's just the garbage this world spews out. The word is pure. There is no twisting in the word. There's no slanting to the word. Now, the American history books that your kids are reading, it is slanted big time. That history is so warped. You need to talk to older people that actually lived through it and let them tell you the real stories of what happened in America. Because that's slanted. God's word is not. But this is what I felt like he told me. He is a shield to those that will trust in his word and put their tr- trust in him. I felt like somebody's here tonight and they are battling. I'm here to tell you, we can pray for you, we can anoint you with oil, and I don't mind and I believe in it, but God's word is what's a shield to you. He will defend you when you take hold of his pure word and you take it at heart. If you're going through heartache tonight, get in the word. Ask him, show me this. By the way, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When you read this, Jesus Christ is this word. He's forever with us. And when you begin to read this and put your hope in this word, it will bring deliverance. When I was fighting that depression, and I didn't think I was crawling out of the pit I was in, I flipped this open one day to Jeremiah, and I read, he said, Heal me, Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. And it lifted. I read the word, and my mind was healed. I don't even know, I understand it, I don't even know what happened but I read the word, heal me, God, and I'll be healed. All it takes is you healing me. I need you to touch my mind. The word touched me. I was, he's my shield from the enemy. He's my shield in the storm. And it's this word. Tonight, if you're battling, this word is pure. Get in this word. Don't just start reading Job or random places. Ask Him where He wants you. Ask Him to show you. Song of Solomon, don't go there unless He tells you to. There's good stuff in there, but you just got to be careful with what you read. Some things are cultural. and that's, that's, there's, there's all kind of revelation. And, I, you know, and maybe we'll talk Sunday a little bit about that. There's, there's messianic, like you can see a shadow of Christ through the whole Bible. There's also geographical revelation. You can see when he says a man went down to Jericho, he literally went down because they were up on a mountain to Jericho. But there's meaning in there about him going the wrong way. You see what I'm saying? There's there's ways that we interpret Scripture. But I don't know why, but I just had to add this at the end, that that you can put your trust in the Lord. You can put your trust in this Word. He won't fail you. So I want everybody to stand with me. We don't need music or any of that stuff. I want us to do something. I'll usually always give an altar call. I'm not giving an altar call or not. I want us to take just a second. And I want us to ask the Lord to help us make this our priority. David said, I put your word above my necessary food. That didn't mean he didn't eat food. It meant that his priority was this over food. What's your priority right now? I don't know. What's your priority? Well, my priority is to find a wife, man, or a girlfriend. Or my wife is to find a boyfriend. Make this your priority. It'll even tell you what kind of wife you can pray for. It's called Proverbs 31. What kind of woman are you? I don't know should start praying to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I didn't even know that was in there. Check it out. It gives you the perfect woman. Don't read it and feel condemned. Read it and feel encouraged to pray it and become it. Read what Peter says about being a woman. Read what Paul says about being a man. Let me tell you. The picture of women and men that are out here betrayed in the world who we magnify out there are not in any way, shape, or form what this Bible declares. And if we don't stop it with our generation, we have drifted so far from this standard. Read this. God wants you to have a mate. Who said it in the beginning? It's not good for man to be alone. Most of us men think it would be good for us to be alone. And the ones that say they don't believe that are liars. God knows better. God knows better. We can't last. We can't do it. It's not good for you to be alone. You need somebody to tell you to put that, pick that up and put it in a basket. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's got you. Look, I just want to take two minutes, not even that long. And I want everybody to bow their heads, close your eyes, and I want you to let the Lord search you and just tell them what I did. Lord, help me read your word. Help me make your word a priority, Jesus. I thank you for your people, God. I thank you for your presence that we felt tonight, Lord. God, whoever this is that's battling God, I pray that you show them tonight that your word can be trusted. And what you say to us, we can cash in. Lord, help us to study. Help us to learn. God, we need you in our frail state. But Jesus, you use the word to bring victory. Help us, Lord. I pray. Encourage us to be at Sunday school where we're learning the word. Raise up teachers and preachers from this group, Lord, that love your word above all things. God, put this word, hide it deep in our heart where we can teach it to our children and the next generation, God. Hide your word in our hearts, Lord. We don't wanna sin against you. We love you. Help us, Jesus. Remove the distractions and the hindrance. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.